If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Hello, and welcome to Gaze on Film. This podcast is where we, a pair of gays, talk about what we're watching. I'm Ned. And I'm Declan. And in this episode, we'll be talking about Babylon. Babylon. Remember, as always, dear listeners, there will be some spoilers, so proceed with caution. Oh, I've lost my train now. Your train? Yeah. Well, shall we... What if we... Divulge a little bit Before we go into that, I want to know what we've been up this week. Oh, dear me. We need to... Cheers to something first. Maybe should we cheers next to the microphone so it feels like listeners are You're here with us. So today we've had it confirmed that we've passed referencing, not that we wouldn't, but in everything else, for our first flat together. We're moving in. We are. So we'll be able to make even more podcasts, hopefully, because we'll just be able to say, should we get the microphones out? Yes, because it's very difficult to coordinate when we live so far away. Not necessarily that, but also, you know, we both got flatmates that we have to kind of plan around a little yeah, bit, and yeah. you've got to come here, or I've got to come there, and it's a bit more of a thing, so, yeah. Very exciting, though. Very, very exciting. Um, um, yeah, just can't wait to get home from work, and you're just there all the time. It's cute, that, isn't it? Mm. Very. Um, so what have you been watching since we last recorded? Because we haven't recorded for a while, but looking at the list, we must have had a busy couple of weeks because it's not much. Well, honestly, I know. Um, I've only watched two films since we last recorded. Is that including the cinema? What? Is that including at home and at the cinema? Yeah. Wow. I know. I've only watched one, to be fair, but that's a bit more normal for me. Every time I've gone to put one on, because I've been like staring at screens all day with work, I don't know why that's different to normal, but I've been just too tired to concentrate for one. So I have been smashing Buffy, and in the last like three weeks I've gone from season two and a half to uh, almost finishing season five. And how many seasons are there? Seven. Oh, and there's so 22 episodes a season. And it's they're a bit all at least 45 me, minutes. Watching the West Wing. Mm. I am on the final season now. Yeah. I think what I'm going to do when I get to the end of season five, try and give myself a bit of a break. A and then I've got break. two left. Yeah. 
Um, yes. And I also, unlike me, binged a TV show all in one day. Yeah, I couldn't believe when I rang you and I was like, what have you been up to? You went, oh, you know that Extraordinary on Disney Plus you told me to watch? I was like, yeah. I've watched it. I'm on the last episode. I thought, bloody hell. Mm. You felt you sounded really put out when you said, oh, I've only watched one. Well, I was a bit put out and I'm still only on. I've got two more. Um, I don't know how you haven't finished it. You blink and they're over. It's like a half an hour an episode. I know, it's good that the half hour episodes. And That's I know, what I like. Yeah, I was going to say, I know if I recommend a TV show to you, you're a, mo- a lot more likely to get through it if it's only a half hour one. Mm. You know, if I said to you, watch House of the Dragon and catch up for season two, you'd probably be like, Declan, that'll take me forever. Now, I would be on board for us doing a full Game of Thrones rewatch gradually. Yeah, we said this, haven't we? But with the number of episodes that there are, even if we did one a week, it'd take a couple of years. Yeah. I'm sure we could do more than one a week in some weeks. Yeah. Though. But we'll see. Because we've some got weeks lots of other films and lots of other TV shows <laughs> exactly. on our watch list. So. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what have you been watching? So we, you didn't discuss your Planet of the Apes progress? Oh, yeah. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> I've watched the, th- <laughs> <laughs> the third of the old Planet of the Apes movies. How which... many of the old ones? Top of my head, five, but I could be wrong. There might only be four. Oh no, there is five. I've five. just got the list up. Yeah. yeah. So there's five old ones, then they remade the first one in 2001. Yeah, and that then was the Tim done... Burton one, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. And then they've done a new franchise of it. The Matt Reeves version. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, the third one of the old one is called Planet uh, Escape from the Planet of the Apes. And did they escape? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, it started with two of our faves, three of our faves landing on Earth and the US Navy or Army or something, like, rescuing their spaceship from the sea. Right. Um, and then it was just about the humans' reactions to the apes. Mm. quite enjoyed it really and I was surprised that they managed to get a storyline out of like to follow the second one because the second one ended in was it quite a closed book yeah I mean big spoiler for this so mute it if you're desperate to watch it but the film from 1971 well you never know yeah um what was I going to say oh the yeah at the end of the second one the earth blew up because of some ancient nuclear weapons it blew up blew up right the whole of earth was obliterated right and so i was shocked to see in the third one three of our ape friends landing back on earth cool anything else not to say on that no so Um, obviously we touched on extraordinary that you've watched all of I've watched six episodes. Very refreshing. Like, you think... You said you've watched what programme that it reminds you of, Misfits. Yeah, it made me think a lot of Misfits. See, I'd not seen, I've not seen Misfits, so I thought it felt even more fresh in the sense that you think every kind of way to tell a superhero um, story is done, but it's mm. not really superheroes, is it? It's like you turn 18 and you get a power... Yeah. And the premise is that one girl's 25 and she's still waiting for her power to happen. Yeah. Um, but it's really rude. <laughs> it's 
It's really quite a bit out there. The script's yeah, I mean, quite... they've, they've got a cat called Jizz Lord. Yeah. Just yeah. to give you a sense of the, the highbrow humour going yeah. on. It's got her from Derry Girls in, what's she called? Siobhan... Siobhan Mc... McSweeney? Yeah. Or, or just Sweeney? Who is on good form. Know. She's yeah. very good. It's just really playful. Like, she, her power is she can control technology, but what's funny is she doesn't know how technology works. You so know the phrase, always... hey, boomer, comes to mind. Yeah, she's no, like that. not hey, boomer. Okay, boomer. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> um, yeah, so I would recommend that if yeah. you want a quick, easy watch on Disney+. Plus. Mm. And then last night, we went to a Sydney World Unlimited showing of Missing. I don't know why you're saying it like this, though. I don't know, because Living. Living works. I, keep, I know, but I just but you just keep, keep doing it do. with Missing. 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 Um, which... Is it a sequel of, well, or is it just like a another story? It's another story, but I think they they referenced the first mystery in the Netflix documentary they were watching. So I, I think that wonder. was that was the only kind of through line for yeah. um both films. Um but it's very it you know, it's it's films like Searching was the first film. It's everything's through a screen, whether it's a laptop screen, a phone, a security camera. I don't think there was one Apple shot watch. in it. An Apple Watch. Like no, there wasn't. I was I noticed about half an hour in that there hadn't been a shot that wasn't on a screen, and I was like, oh, I'll look out for this. And then the only time I thought there was, it turned out to be on Netflix anyway. Yeah, there was a couple of bits, and I thought, oh, is this not on something? And then it like zoomed out, and I thought, oh, right, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. Um, so obviously we got... enjoyed it. It's quite clever. Yeah, it was clever. I think I give it three and a half. Yeah, same. Um, it's yeah, it's quite an engaging film. Um, at times I thought the premise and being through a screen does get slightly laboured, but I did enjoy it. Um, and it's not out till the twenty fourth of Feb, guys. So you've got yeah. lots of time to um, suss out if you want to go see it. I thought it was a really good length of film as well because it was under two hours. So yeah. You're not sat there thinking, right. Come on, get, get to the to point. It. Yeah. It, uh, it moved quite quick. And um, for a murder mystery kind of thing, mm. I didn't really see it coming. Like, when didn't it changed, it I saw... Happened. Yeah. And then when things happened, I thought, oh, I think that's going to happen now. But the big beats, I didn't see yeah. coming, which I guess with a... A successful uh, storytelling. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Great. I can't believe that that section is over already. It's a quick one this week. Yeah. Not watched anything really. <laughs> Sad. Um, what's been in the news? Okay, so warning: Declan is about to geek out. Why I talked about myself in the third person, I don't know. Let me just take a big swig of this gin. Yeah, I'm going to take a sip actually. So, I want to talk about DC. Um, this week, uh, James Gunn announced his slate of DC films that he's been brought in. To, to set up this new studio called DC Studios. Um, he kind of starts the, the announcement on YouTube as he's been brought in to make it be a connected universe throughout everything. So DC's been very all over the place Peace for years now. So there's been some on TV that weren't canon, there was different bits. So he's been brought in to kind of put a new slate together um, that will have that kind of continuous storyline similar to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes. What was interesting is he also starts the video talking about the slate of DC films coming this year. And I think there's quite this four this year, which is a lot. Mm -hmm. um, we've got Shazam 2, 
um, The Flash, Blue Beetle, and Aquaman two at Christmas. Is that is it so many this year because they've had them in they've the kept pushing them as well in the bag for yeah. a while and they've yeah. just been waiting for the right moment to release. Yeah, um, but it sounds like he's going to kind of maybe keep these <clears throat> characters in play and then also develop that further through yeah. other characters. And what was interesting as well, he's doing some anime animated shows and he wants to. If a character's in an animated show, it'll be the same character as if it's in live action and played by the same person. So there'll be that through line. I love that word today. Um, is is yes. that un, is that unusual? Sometimes, yeah. MCU did it for Kind me. of. Kind of. And up until now, there's been a lot of DC shows like Harley Quinn and things that have just been a standalone animated. And I think he's making the point that uh, okay. it's all going to yeah. be one big yeah. story. Right, I'm with you. I'm on um, board. So some of the things that we're in at, but <laughs> having said that, like it is a reboot, but they're obviously using the four films this year, and they might keep those in moving forward. God, Jason Moore has said that Momoa Momoa has said that he's going to get an Aquaman three, and that'll be like a trilogy. So. That'll kind of be in. But what's clever with DC, but is in the comics, it's always been quite multiversal. And I know Marvel's just kind of exploring that. But they've, they've always had like darker, what they call Elseworld stories. So in cinema, the Elseworld stories will be Matt Reeves's Batman, like universe that he's building. Is that starting with, is that Robert Pattinson's Batman? Yeah. yeah. So he's. Batman 2 has been dated for October 2025. Yeah. They're also doing like a Penguin TV show and some other bits. So that'll be one. And will Penguin be played by the same person who played him in Matt Reeves' Batman? Yeah, that is, that's what I'm saying. That Batman universe is going to exist differently from the DC universe that they're uh, building elseworlds. So, and then Joker, which is getting a sequel with Lady Gaga, is another elseworld story. So whilst there will be one big kind of thing Mm. there will still be some other stories that aren't connected that are happening as well so like i know this feels like they're trying very hard no i think they're onto a good thing with what matt reeves has done with batman so they don't just want to can that joker did took over a billion and i think they don't want to can them but they, they also want to build this new universe so i have got hope and as i say batman 2 was was dated for um october 2025 the only other date that we've got was for a brand new superman film which will release in summer 2025 and i always think if they get superman right and it's a summer blockbuster they're onto something there um, don't think I've ever seen any of the superman films you not not I've even seen... like the old christopher reeve ones seen like one or two of them, not all the way through, yeah. like the old ones. But I've never seen any of the newer ones. Okay. So let me just comment on a few of the other bits. I won't go through them all. But we're getting a Waller, Amanda Waller TV show. You know her. Why are you laughing? Waller. Sounds funny with your accent. Waller. Waller. Um, so, and apparently that's due to... James Gunn's been so busy, he hasn't been able to write Peacemaker Season 2 yet. Right. So that's going to be kind of a bridge over. Um, a Lanterns TV series based on Green Lanterns. Uh... Oh, this is another thing. There will, whilst we've got Robert Pattinson's Batman, 
there will be a Batman in the DCU as well. And they will be doing a film called The Brave and the Bold, which is based on a comic where Robin is Batman's son. So apparently a very good comic. Um, loads of other stuff going on. They're going to do a TV series set on the, um, Wonder Woman's planet, Themyscira, but like pre-Wonder Woman. And they've said it's inspired by Game of Thrones. Um, Swamp Thing is like this horror character, um, and that's going to be like a horror film. Um, so that's interesting. And already since the announcement, James Mangold, who's directed who directed Logan and is directing the new Indiana Jones is attached to it. Um, and overall from the announcement, like it was a six minute video and James Gunn's just stood there. It wasn't like these big flashy Marvel, you know, like when they come up, Kevin Feige gets on the stage and does this big slate announcement. Like he's some sort of tech billionaire. Yeah. And there was no logos for anything. When he announced a film, he just used a, a pitch from the comic that inspires it. So it, it's it's clearly very early stages for what they are. Um, yeah. And what else was I going to say about it? can't remember now. Well, it appears that chapter one is called... Gods and Monsters. No. Yeah. 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 So MCU has phases, which they don't name. They name the sagas eventually. Thanos oh, we've got, was, uh, uh, we've got uh, Kang Dynasty. Is that the next saga? Well, the next saga they're calling the Multiverse Saga. What's Kang Dynasty then? An Avengers film that's coming. Oh. Avengers Kang Dynasty. Right. Um, so oh, yeah, God. it's called Gods and Monsters. So it sounds like he's going to say chapters and he is scoping out the next eight to ten years. This is only the projects for the first few and there's lots to lots to be had. Great. But good luck to them because I would love to see a cinematic universe ch- challenge Marvel because I think competition makes things better. Yeah. And it'd be good to see these DC characters all kind of in the same player pit. Yes. So, yeah, that's the, the DC slate. I know you also Blink. wanted to, we're going off script here with Ned bringing some news to the table. I've got some news. Yeah, um, but go um, for it. Yeah, no, I was just scrolling through Instagram the other day and I saw news that um, Michaela Cole is going to be mentoring five shortlisted filmmakers in the BMW Filmmaker Challenge, which is obviously with BMW, and BFI. Cool. Um, the challenge is to make a 90-second, or is it a nine-minute? 90-second. 90-second short film. Oh, God, that is short. I know. So that would be the challenge. Yeah. Um, but because it is Michaela Michaela Cole um, mentoring these shortlisted ones, um by all accounts, she seems very excited to see more queer and racial diversity in the stories being told from this and elsewhere in the film. Only world. good can come from her. I know. She's did you watch so cool. Destroy You? I got some of the way through it. Oh, it was very heavy. It, yeah, I think it was a bit too heavy for me to finish all at once and then because I'd lost momentum. Anyway, yeah. don't let that dampen this news because this yeah. is really exciting the fact that she's kind of and, enab- yeah. enabling the next new queer and you know she's like pla- platforming people yeah. who haven't um otherwise got platforms um so yeah really excited to see what they come up with and the winner will be shown at this year's bfi london film festival in october 
So there's that to look forward to. I'd like to go to the London Film Festival. They get really, really good films. Maybe Rams we'll films. get press passes one year. Manifest we it. Manifest it. Yeah. Leeds this year. Gone. Well, last year now. Yeah. London next year. Yeah. And then Toronto. Toronto. Eventually. Then Cannes. And or Venice. Venice. Venice Film Festival's good. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Well, what a time we've had. But now it's time to cast our minds into the future and get excited for what's coming up in the world of film. It's time now for Trailer Trash or Treasure. And what have we got this time? This time, King, we've got... We were... To- we were dis- tweaking. Tweaking. <laughs> deciding how to say this. Now, I would call it the bogeyman. I would call it the boogeyman. You'd call it the boogeyman, but I've got a feeling it's American, and it I is. think it'll be called the boogeyman. Yeah. So it's the boogeyman, and it's in theatres, according to this link. Yeah, and the it's a Stephen King adaption, adaptation. Adaptation. Sorry. Um, and yeah, let's Fab. watch it. What else was I going to say? Oh, oh, it's gone, it's gone, it's gone, it's gone, it's gone. Let's just watch it. It might come back to me. See you after the sparkles. Spooky. Spooky, yeah. I was, I remembered what I was going to say. What were you going to say? I wouldn't have normally picked this because it looks like a pretty standard horror film. Mm. I wouldn't say the trailer was... I think it'll be good fun and jumpy. Yeah, um, but we're a bit light on trailers because I think all the studios are waiting for the big game. The big game? The big game. What's that? I know we're a gay podcast king, but we could be a little bit sporty. Still no? Super Bowl. Yeah. Rihanna, not Rihanna. No, just all the trailers they show during the Super Bowl. Did you not know this is a thing? No. But so many big trailers have been released at the Super Bowl. Um, and then well, I've goes... never watched the Super Bowl. No, but so then I it goes straight that. online after, and it's it's big thing that the the Super Bowl ads. No, there's all sorts of rumors about what's coming, but um, yeah. So it's Stephen King. So it said from the mind of Stephen King and the producers of Stranger Things, which, you know, got good story. I'm sure people know the story of the boogeyman, boogeyman. 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 Um, looks like very Stephen King in a sense that it taps into those childhood fears of sleeping with the light on and, and what's under my bed. And like, you know, there's that scene at the start with the cupboard door open. As a yeah. kid, I could never sleep with, like, a wardrobe or a cupboard door open. You still can't as an adult. Yeah. Not because I'm scared or just like tidy, orderly things. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, I could not have slept with anything. But I don't even like doors open when I'm sleeping. Like, no, the bedroom door should be closed. Have. Yeah. So, yeah, it taps into that. It looks fun. I would probably call it treasure but like only a little nugget yeah yeah it's filler treasure filler treasure yeah we've had that before have we yeah so yeah that's the boogeyman out in theaters it says june 2nd for on the u.s trailer whether or not that is replicated in the uk but i don't see any reason why it wouldn't be no um yeah quite like going and seeing a horror in the summer at the cinema Oh, I like a horror at the cinema, full stop. I think so do so I, but like, it's nice to have them in the hor- in, in the summer, because, like, rather than just wait until Halloween, because um, then you come out and it's still warm and a little bit light outside. And you're not scared. And you're not scared on your way home. Yeah. 
Okay, and now it's time for this week's headline feature, Babylon, coming up right after this short break. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. No, that wasn't an advert. That was me. <laughs> we didn't um, just play the trailer. Shall I start with a synopsis? Yes, please. A tale of outsized ambition and outrageous excess. It traces the rise and fall of multiple characters during an era of unbridled decadence and depravity in early 1920s Hollywood. It also focuses on Hollywood's transition from silent to sound films. From the movies to the talkies. To the talkies, yes. Where to even... And I know we say this about them all. But where to <laughs> Where begin? do you start with an over-three-hour epic film? Well, let's start at the start, okay? So within the first ten minutes, we have an elephant being taken to a party, and there's a close-up of its arsehole as it's about to shit on somebody. As it shits on somebody. As it shits on them. In fact, I think the shit hits the camera. Yeah. Not the fan, the camera. <laughs> um, there's a big chubby guy who likes a bit of piss player who gets a, a woman to wee on him. And he's like, oh, I love that. And she's like, do you like that? Yeah. Then we get, which is going on at this party scene, which really sets the whole mood for the film. You know, it's over the top. There's drugs. There's sex happening in the room. There's just all these people. All these bodies together in one space, surrounded by mess and noise. 
And it's just chaos from pretty much the world go. There's, yeah. a, there's a few bits in the film where it, it drops into a bit of a, a quieter moment, but I would say 80% of the film is like, what the hell is going... Like, this is just chaos on screen. Yeah, and yeah, it's not like, what the hell is going on, as in, I've no idea what the fuck is going no, on. No, it's I like, don't know what... what the hell is going on. <laughs> but it's so chaotic. Yeah, yeah. In and, all the best ways. Yeah. Anchored totally by the score, which is just as chaotic. Like, Brilliant. I always remember when I used to play saxophone, people used to say, jazz is quite all over the place anyway. It doesn't have a time signature. It, it mm. can bounce all over the place. And having a jazz score from Justin Hurwitz, that is not just a jazz score, but I would argue one of the best film scores I've heard in years. Would you? I'd love to see some of them performed live. Um, oh my god, that'd be brilliant. Maybe even with like a movie on in the background, you know, like when they mm. do that for Jurassic Park and Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that'll happen for Babylon because it hasn't actually been a success. But I would no. love to see it. Um, and then Chaos Ensues, really. Um, it's a film that reminds me... It reminded me a bit of a Tarantino film in the sense that you're just kind of watching people for three hours. Everyone's a little bit, like, weird as well. Yeah. In that kind of Tarantino vibe. Yeah. Like, really quite matter of fact. Um, yeah, no airs and graces. Just get on with it. Say what you need to say to get the point across and tell the story. Yeah. Which I love. Yeah. Um, I've got so many notes, I don't even really know what to go to next, so I don't know if you want to... What about some cinematography? Oh, I did write a note about cinematography, actually. Go on, then. There's a lot of sunsets, there's a lot of sunrises. Lovely sun. And the way that pops on the screen. <gasps> Do you think that's beautiful. symbolic of the sun setting on the silent movies and Maybe. rising on the talkies and the golden era of Hollywood? Potentially, Yeah. Give me an A star for that English GCSE. Or like movie studies, film studies, not movie studies. Film studies. I mean, it's the same thing, but it's called film studies, isn't it? Um, um, yeah, beautiful. Um, I think there's a... You know, like some of the sunrise shots, mm. It's you actually felt... This, and this is the great thing about going to the cinema to see a film like this. Did you feel it get warmer? No. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like, you know, like when you get up really early to go on holiday, it yeah. felt like, I felt that. <laughs> like, that feeling that you I had, definitely like felt, I had that feeling. I definitely felt with some of them, like I'd been at the party they were all at, and you're just off your head. Not that I've been to many parties and got off my head, but like, <laughs> you know, when you, you come out of the club and it's getting light, yes. and you just feel weird. Yeah. I felt that watching like it. Like that, you're not hung over because you've not gone to sleep. You've been partying. Yeah. You're knackered, but you could still you're knackered, go get but a you're, takeaway. Yeah. Or, yeah. You, you've got loads of energy, yeah. but you know it's ready to go home. And you know that when you wake up from whatever nap you're about to have... It's going to be awful. You're going to feel horrendous. <laughs> but apparently Hollywood in the 1920s, people didn't get hung over. Because... They, they, were, just... they were out, they went to sleep for an hour, as Brad Pitt's character does, and then he's up on a film set straight away. Oh, so, God. Um, although the film sets that are portrayed are just as chaotic as the parties half the time. 
But so, I almost feel like that that's the impression I get from before film production was such a big and well-orchestrated thing. Like, it must have been a bit of slapdash, no health and safety. You can only do what you can do with the tech available. Well, so. one of my notes was, no wonder films ended up unionising. Yeah. Because they really... <laughs> Yeah. They needed some employee uh, health and safety and all sorts. There's a scene in this where um, they are kind of filming this big war scene um, and somebody ends up dying and stabbing himself through the weapon he was using. Well, I think it was a flag with like yeah. a, a spear Yeah, and they were like, oh, he end. must have been a drunk. He must have, yeah. he must have just ran into it. He just it. fell on and, it. And they were like, it's a terrible disease, alcoholism. I was like, no, <laughs> somebody's died on your film set. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, that was. Yes. That was fun. Um, but overall, did you notice that at least for the first two acts, the the way that it was shot kind of evolved as the cameras and the film sets and things evolved as well. No. I think it did. Did it? Yeah. I noticed a like lot of... Like, it gradually got better, and then there was quite a bit of a time lapse happened, and suddenly it was very 1950s stylized. Yeah. Oh, no. I did notice a lot of kind of sweeping shots, I would call, where the camera went through a room or, or through an object where it looks like, you know, when you're looking at it, you think, how did a camera get through that? So it's some really clever yeah. editing trickery. But yeah. There was a lot where it kind of followed, especially in those kind of party scenes where the camera just mm. kind of levitated oh, over the that. crowds and stuff. That's um, the kind of feeling you want at a party as well, being able to just move through the crowd and have a yeah, best Yeah, because if you think about it as well, when you're filming a scene in, in, a, in a party like that, that if for it to be a really well-made scene, there isn't really any other way you could do it. Like, um, you could walk through a crowd. Like, you could walk through the crowd, but all of the actors would be really close in shot mm. and it'd lose yeah, it'd your weird. sense of where you are or yeah. perspective and things so um, yeah, it's very cool yeah um i really liked the the color palette generally as well there's like oranges like and reds wasn't it rich and bold and yeah. bright and warm yeah very nice um talking of kind of a negative and kind of staying on the chaotic kind mm-hmm. of mm. side of it um, it did sometimes get a little bit annoying for me. Not much, but like... Just with how much shit was going on. Yeah, but what's the point as well? Like, what, what actually... The word that springs to mind as you're describing that is gratuitous. Yeah. There for the sake of it. It was so bombastical that the girl and me and Mr. Bombastic, I think you're fantastic. Um, is that bad? Well, that was bad. Was it? Like, I wouldn't ask you to do karaoke. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> But, yeah, there was like, what's the point? And yeah. a lot of people, when it's had negative reviews, because it, it didn't do well reviews. It's only on wise. about 60%. It's on... on like 56 yeah. now. So that's not great. And it's not done very well at the bot. In fact, it's totally flopped, to be honest, for the budget it's got. And I was like, is it because it's over three hours long? No, because Avatar's just done over two billion. But I think the important distinction is that 
Avatar has the reputation of Avatar, so it justifies itself being a bit long. And also, um, sci-fi nerds love a long film. No, but I more meant like there are there is a section of an audience that is willing to sit there for over three hours and watch. Yeah, I know, but I don't think that section of the audience is particularly the target demographic for Babylon. So I think the target demographic for this film is cinephiles and absolute movie geeks like us. And I think beyond that, it doesn't really have all that much appeal. It's not got mass appeal. I think when you see the trailers, you think, "Oh, Margot Robbie, Brad Pitt." And I think were it a Two hours, two hours, fifteen runtime. It would have that mass appeal, because I know I can think of a few silly films that are chaotic, tell some good stories, look brilliant, and have some good stars in that get mass appeal, but they're not three hours long. Yeah, I could have probably done as a bit of a cinephile. I could have probably done with about twenty-five minutes less. Yeah, but I don't know what I would necessarily cut out. See, I have things that I think. Were a bit, I didn't get. Yeah. Um. So and talking of people like us enjoying it, now it's out on digital as well. I'm seeing on Twitter it does seem to be getting a bit of a film Twitter renaissance. People are calling it a masterpiece because you could probably write a good essay as to why mm-hmm. it is. It's got all the key ingredients. Yeah. But... I've made some good notes about a handful of the characters that yeah. I could probably turn into an alright essay. Yeah. And I think some someone in my office, hi Phoebe, if you're listening. Um, Hi, Phoebe. She said that her opinion was, if you're really into films, you'll like this film, if you're not. So that kind of echoes that sentiment as well. Um, I don't think you wouldn't like it if you weren't into films, but you're definitely not going to be incentivised to sit there for three hours. No, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, it could be likeable by anyone, but you have to like films to sit there for three hours. it's just a shame, because if you're watching it at home, you're going to be on your phone at times. Yeah. Or you're going to pause it. We just are. Come back later. I know. But the couple of bits that I thought could have either been left or I didn't really get what they were trying to say. So this has got Sidney Palmer in, who I think is a real person, the trumpeter. Yeah. And there's this whole kind of side plot about kind of the racial discrimination he faces. Mm-hmm. And there's this bit where they make him... Basically, he's not black enough, even though he is black. So because of the lighting on the set. Black makeup, like, well, no, it doesn't even look like makeup, it, it looks like shoe it, polish. It is shoe polish. Oh, was it? Yeah. And whilst that was important to see, it didn't, it didn't go anywhere. I found it to be quite a compelling storytelling oh, device. Oh, did you? So, if you were, so looking at it through, like, a, um... A lens of diversity and you know uh, and racism at the time, I think Diego Calva's character Manny um, basically cuts himself off from his Mexican ties, even though they live in California. He just never sees them. Yeah, Americanizes his name to call himself Manny rather than Emmanuel, oh. um, and basically molds his demeanour and behaviour to, to become be a white guy. acceptable to the people he can leverage to become successful in the movie business. Yeah. Um, and they like that and listen to all of his suggestions and things. Contrast that with Sidney Palmer, who 
has gets, to be more. He gets his big break because he gives Manny a good idea and yeah. starts showcasing the musicians. Yeah. But when he's told... When we move to the talkies. Yeah. Yeah. But when he is told that he needs to put shoe polish on his face so that his skin tone matches the um, skin tone of the other musicians to make it not look like it's a multi-ethnic TV show so that it doesn't get banned in the Deep South. He's like, fine, I'll do it on this occasion, does it? But then he quits. Yeah. Okay. And because he yeah. puts his um, his like sense of self over his career, because he doesn't want to be made a fool, that's like in stark contrast to how Manny... Um, dilutes his identity in order to get ahead. And I think that's something interesting to look at. That is interesting how you've explained it. Thank you. There's a, the thing, though, there's so much going on in this film that some parts you get and then some parts you don't. Yeah, so exactly. There's another part of the film which, I mean, that's that Sydney part of it is quite a small part of a three-hour film. Yeah. But I would say if we were going to take the shorter, I'd remove the love story. I wasn't really that... What, between Manny and Nelly? Yeah, I didn't get it. I didn't quite get it. And I thought, it was nice to see Toby Maguire, but that full scene where they're running off together towards the end, that 20 minutes, I think, could have just been... I'd have just... Like, I don't, I don't get it. I didn't really get why Toby Maguire's whole bit was in there, to be honest. Yeah. And I don't think there had to be romantic. I think it was perfectly fine that they just kind of looked out for each other pals. and quite platonic. And I just think exploring that um... romance as well kind of really filled... Because, yeah, because the only reason I can think of for their romance is to make Tobey Maguire's bit make sense. Yeah. Because otherwise, why would Manny give up, like, risk everything to get Nelly out of financial trouble with Tobey Maguire's character? character? But if you just cut his, then you could make them platonic and... You've got a two and a half hour film. you've got a two and a half hour film, which yeah. would probably have been a lot better. Yeah. We've sussed it, we King. Have, so I'll ring Damien Chazelle now and yeah. tell him to do a director's cut. Um... Talking of characters then, um, you know, I thought Diego Luna as Manny was great. I did like Black Brad Pitt's character. Diego Calvo, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Who's Diego Luna? Isn't he the guy out of um... Andor? Yeah. Is he? I've even wrote Diego Calvo. Is that the right one? That's the right one. I wrote that where I said Diego Luna. <laughs> Have um, it. <laughs> I liked Brad Pitt again. Um, oh, he's another one I could bring in on my essay about the contrast between um, Manny Torres and Sidney Palmer. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, Manny Torres does everything he does because he's got a big dream to become a part of something bigger than himself which is established in their first conversation with and, Nelly. And Brad Pitt's part of it but wants to get out. Is that what you're going to say? Well, I was going to say, Brad Pitt considers himself a pillar of Hollywood. Like he says, um, when I came to this town, bars said on the door, no dogs, no oh, actors, yeah. and I've changed that. Yeah. Um, and then, like, he obviously uses that, takes advantage of all his connections, and then begins to flounder a bit when those connections lose patience with him. And I love that word. Yeah, it's a good word, isn't so it? So it's like pri Hollywood privilege, yeah. In a way, but you can even yeah. be in a position to have those feelings, yeah. yeah. Um, but I would say standouts for me definitely Margot Robbie, and oh, I know absolutely. this film isn't getting a lot of awards love because it hasn't been all that popular, but yeah. I really think she deserves to at least have been nominated. I, I really like how her 
character arc is really used to emphasise that move from silent to sound and how she excels in the silent environment because she's perfect for it. You can't hear her strong New Jersey accent. Yeah. But then as soon as it gets to the talkies, she's kind of pushed aside. Do you know what that and... reminded me of? Was it in um, the second Downton Abbey movie where they film a film at yeah. Downton Abbey and yeah. there's that um, Cockney or Essex accent actress and she can't get the lines out so they have to get the posh girl to... To, like, speak to over speak her, her and she's yeah. miming, yeah. She loses her head. Yeah, and I thought she was great, and I loved that. One of my favourite scenes, not my favourite scene from the whole film, but the bit where she gets onto the movie set and she just kind of goes up and performs and she squeezes a tear out of her eye and she's just yeah. really good. I loved all that. Yeah. Um, I liked her scene where she goes to the mansion as kind of a guest of Jean Smart's Eleanor character. Mm. And she's got to, like, fit in and blend into this new world and she just completely goes off the rails and it's like... That was funny. You loved me when I was in silent films and now you don't. Now, now I'm not good enough for yeah. you. But her character um, brings me into what I think was the my favourite scene of the film. So it's the 1928 scene where she's she's in college... It's like the first one of the first films they're doing with sound. Oh, that was infuriating! That scene, I loved it. It just goes on and on, like, like the device is that they just can't get the sound right because they're really struggling with it. And like every time someone walks into the room or someone something happens or she misses a mark or she drops the suitcase too loud. Baking hot studio where they can't have AC because it's too loud for the sensitive microphones. And if she stood like three inches the wrong direction it doesn't then it doesn't pick her up yeah yeah and the character max who was kind of the production he's not the director on the set but kind of the the runner maybe or something the way he loses his shit at it (laughs) i thought was absolutely hilarious oh Um, my god and that poor man in the camera box who dies from the from from the the heat. heat yeah it's just i think that you know they're going, take one, and we just go up, and it goes, and you think, God, are we going to... We start thinking as an audience, yeah. are they going to get it? Are they going to get it? And it goes on <laughs> it and on. It was so good. And I'm like, are they going to get it? And then when they finally do, you almost feel like you're celebrating with them. Cause and to it say goes... it's such a long scene, I wouldn't cut a second on no, it. No, it was really good. It was definitely it was really my good. favourite. Like, outside of the parties, which yeah. is like the glitz and the glamour, Yeah. that that actual scene with dialogue in it was, was yeah, great. Yeah, that was good. Um. I also liked, I did like the snake fighting scene that was teased in the trailer, but I did think it was a bit silly. It wasn't what I expected it to be from no. the trailer, to be honest, and no. I think it was a bit... Because there's that added layer of Left me Nelly's a bit character, where dull. her dad is a manager and she's like... And he's a bit, with yeah, he's a bit yeah. of a shit business guy. And he always has this story that you can fight a snake, so yeah. she takes everybody from a party... To go fight a rattlesnake, it bites her, and which brings in the involvement of a character, um, Lady Fezu, who is played by Lee Jun Lee, who sings a great song called "My, My Girl's, Girl's Pussy. Pussy." It's like a burlesque cabaret. Yeah, it's like she says, "Like My Girls." She's she holds it and goes, "Pussy." You know what I really like about um, her character. <laughs> is um, she's a Chinese-American lesbian cabaret singer. And she's so cool and absolutely gorgeous. Um, 
but kind of as time goes on she kind of loses her spotlight a bit like she's not given chances when she deserves them um, and her talent is a bit subdued and I think and it's hinted that it's to do with her sexuality which contrasts not all that explored though is it no but no. it's just hinted but that's contrasted with Nellie Leroy who becomes a star because she's not afraid of her sexuality and she just goes straight onto that movie set flirts with all the guys spits in their mouth you know that kind of shit <laughs> yeah um, it was um so that was i liked her and shit the a way, movie full of contrast this. the way i got to that segue is when yeah. nelly gets bit by the snake she then comes over and starts Sucks sucking all the venom, venom out. out of her um, and saves her mm. because i've heard a rattlesnake venom is pretty bad not the so worst here not the worst, but you can survive it. But... Well, apparently you can survive long enough for everyone to run around screaming for 20 minutes you before, can, before Lady Faizu comes in and saves you. Do you know why snakes are... This is a total... Total, like, not even about the film. Tangent. This is a tangent. Go on, tell but me. I always find this fact fascinating. Mm. And you can't say, listeners, that you don't learn something every day. Why is snake venom got different potency around the world sounds like a joke that doesn't it as in like different lethalness no as in like different species of snake or as in if you took a snake from one place to another it's no like it be. the the first thing you said oh uh I don't, I don't know it's all to do with so if the venom's really strong which you see in like australia and things it's because the prey that they eat really fast so they've got to die quick before they run away from the snake ah. whereas in like places where the venom isn't so strong they feed on animals that aren't as fast or a bit bigger yeah so they don't have to don't die as quick them. isn't that clever like yeah. evolution that is clever maybe i should start a new segment where i have like a zoological fact every every week every week i did study fact. zoology you know. If you didn't mention it. I don't think I've mentioned it on the podcast before. Um, and and it's good to use it, but don't either. use it in me sales role at work. So, um, yeah. Anything else you'd like to say about any of the characters? Um, so, a lot has been said about, like, what's the point and what's the commentary of this film? And I think we've said that there's a lot of things going on. But I really like Gene Smart as, as Eleanor, as oh, kind of peppered too. throughout. And there's a scene of her when we were talking about Brad Pitt's kind of, uh, what's the word? Brad Pitt's... Monologue? No. Delusion of grandeur? No, Brad Pitt, well, that as well, but his white, not supremacy, like... Privilege. Privilege, that's it. <laughs> so, I think the whole film and the, the, the meaning behind it is boiled down to a really well-acted scene where... Gene Smart kind of is talking to Brad Pitt, who is kicking off, and he said that line about how, um, what's it called? No dogs, no actors, I yeah, changed that. I changed that. He can't, she kind of said, like, she says two things. It's like, you're bigger than Hollywood. Hollywood will survive when you're gone, and all that kind of stuff. And it's not just you. Once you're gone, you're gone. There's loads of actors, there's yeah. loads of directors. But then she kind of pivots that and says, you should be lucky to realise that you're in these films. Yeah. Because she says something on the lines of, in 50 years' time, people, people still will still know your name long after you're gone because they'll be watching your films. And I thought, 
if that's the kind of point of the film, it's not the biggest point to make. It's not like, you know, life affirming or <laughs> makes you question the meaning of life, like something like everything everywhere all at once. Mm. But that to me was kind of, you know, it's a gift that he's been given. So he yeah. shouldn't balk at it and, and kick off. Yeah. So I really liked her character. Yeah. Because she felt to me like she was basically everywhere just observing and telling the story which I suppose as a gossip columnist that was her job it's a bit Bridgerton really a little bit yeah Mm. Um, but I did like that and I I felt like watching her watch things was very relatable I I often myself feel like I'm watching things happen around is it? I think so but no, nothing else other than that on characters for me. I am getting towards the end of my notes as well, to be honest. Um, but I've got kind of an overall, which I'll say, as well as that meaning I've just spoke about, the film is kind of a, a celebration of getting lost in films. There's a couple of scenes where somebody's sat in a cinema and getting totally just transported to whatever's on the screen. Yeah. Um, I loved, like, the closing montage that showed all the almost like the development of cinema through time. I was just going to say about that, like, it w- it had a really strong sense of nostalgia. For... Nostalgia. Nostalgia. <laughs> for Cockney. When... Oh, you made me lose my track. Sorry. A really strong sense of nostalgia. Yeah. For the days when Hollywood was, like, a young and budding industry. Yeah. And, like, it's nice to see it blossom as it had done. And it was nice to see, like, when it goes through this montage of, of films that I'm sure are probably films that Damien Chazelle's got kind of a liking to. Like, you know, he put a clip of Jurassic Park in there, he put mm. a clip of Avatar in there. So it's not like he was trying to say good films ended in, I don't know, 1980s or something. You yeah. know, it was, it, it went right through. And what I really liked is it had the first moving picture of that horse, which was featured slash referenced in Nope. Nope. Um, we do have an episode on Nope, if you'd like to go back and listen last year. Um, we do, don't we? Yeah. 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 And when you looked at me there, I thought you were saying, do we? I, um, I wondered if you'd made a note which episode it was. Oh, God, no. <laughs> I haven't got that information no. to hand. No, not at all. Um, I also loved the use of Singing in the Rain as like a... Yeah, that was nice. One of the first kind of musical talkies that that was being filmed at the time when when think although I don't actually like the film that much to be honest. I've never seen it, if I'm honest. You never seen Singing in the Rain? No. Not even like on a Christmas when it's on on the telly behind. Oh god! Do you know how long ago we did Nope? Episode six. Did that come out in August? Yeah. Yeah. One of our first we started in July, King. We did. Have you got any other notes? Um, no. Now, the only other thing I said, and this is a good way to start to move towards the end of the podcast, Mm. is that because it was such a long film, and for the most part very engaging, by the end of it, I felt like I'd been on on a real journey. (laughs) This reminded me when we came out and seen Lady Gaga. What did I say, Ned, last summer? Something like everybody in that arena had had a, a shared spiritual experience or something. We did. Honestly. 80,000 people went through that communal, transcendent experience together. Honestly. Seeing the 
What's the f- what was the album called? Chromatica. Chromatica. God, seeing the Chromatica World Tour in in one big thing. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Star rating. I gave it four. I gave it four. Yeah. And how gay is it? <laughs> Just get my gay star We're still working out. on this segment, everyone. Uh, oh. <laughs> According to my readings. Oh, for God's sake. It's coming out somewhere between having pets instead of children and mimosas with Sunday brunch. You know you're going to run out of these references really quickly. Well, why can't we just enjoy a good thing while it's here? That's very true. Thank but you. yes, it's quite a camp <laughs> film. I wouldn't say it's not got any gay... Well, it has got some queer representation, but not really. A little bit, a little bit gay. Um, it's generally camp in vibe, as is Hollywood, I would have said anyway. Um, that's probably all I've got to say on that. The gay dar's not given me any more details than I've given you. Need to charge it. Yeah. Um, right, well, that's me done. Is it? Mm-hmm. Well, that's all for this time, then. If you have enjoyed this episode of Gays on Film, please subscribe, rate and comment on your podcast platform of choice. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We're at Gaze on Film Pod, and check out our Letterboxd accounts. Links to those are in the show notes. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Oh, especially, especially on this one. So please do feel free to drop us a message. I have been Ned. And I have been Declan. And this has been Gaze on Film. Thanks for listening. Bye. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.